0: Um, take your right hand and put it out in front of you, take your right hand, it's okay really, I I know you feel crazy, but do this, take your right hand and put it out in front of you, flip it over, it's always one, move it back like this, pat yourself on the back, you're halfway through y'all. Was that awkward? Like you've done it. You're halfway through this money series, right, this resource series, and that's a big deal. Um, Turn to the person next to you, somebody around you, give them a high five, say good job. We're halfway home, y'all, halfway home. Um, I told you at the very beginning that this was not going to be the easiest series in the world. How many of you now believe me? (laughs) Let me tell you why. Because I told you right up front, I hate, you know, sometimes you love stats and sometimes you hate them. But what we know is, on average, on average, the average American Christian gives 2.5% of their income to the church, okay? Now, that sounds like we're asking you for money. Again, what I told you from the beginning is this is not a series to get more of your money, okay? This is a series to close the gap. Does anybody remember? Between the generous heart of the father and the sometimes less than generous habits of his children, okay? So what I said early on was... If God, and we're going to see this today and next week, if God gives it all, and we're given like barely anything, we don't look like our Father, okay? So that's the whole goal of the series. Now, why would we talk about this when nobody likes to talk about it? Everybody say, why? I'm glad you asked, because God talks about it. The stat that blew my mind was over 2,300 times in the Bible. He talks about resources and possessions. So here's the deal. You've heard this phrase, people of the book. What does that mean, to be people of the book? Is it a choir book, a hymnal book? What, it's, a hymnal, it's just a hymnal, right, not a hymnal book. I am failing at preaching the last couple of weeks, aren't I? It's, ever since I went parachuting, it happened. Um, <laughs> to be people of the book means that you're people of the Bible, right? So we can't say that we're people of the book and not talk about something that he talks about a lot in the book. Right? And right now it just happens to be dollars and cents. There's lots of other things in the book that sometimes people in the book don't talk about either. I don't think he likes that either. So we have to talk about that stuff. So we're doing this series because God talks about it. We're doing a series to kind of match our hearts up, with our habits with his heart. And so the first two weeks, did it feel kind of like, um, I mean, if, if the average is 2.5%, then statistically speaking, the majority of us are sitting here feeling like failures. And that's no fun. No fun. Nobody likes to feel like a failure, right? And so that's one reason why I'm convinced that when churches, if they start talking about this subject, people don't come back because who wants to go to church and feel like a failure? Am I right? It's okay to say you're right, okay? But because he talks about it, we have to. So the first two weeks, um, if you were paying attention, (laughs) it felt like we talked about money a lot, didn't it? we talked about like how do we give what are our giving habits and so today we want to do this like halfway through we want to kind of take this shift right so we're going to shift from talking about giving resources to start talking about how does God want us to live with our resources okay we're going to be in philippians chapter 2 everybody say amen for not being in weirdly named books Right, right, we've been in the last two weeks, we've been in Malachi and Haggai, and some of y'all were like, I didn't even know those were in the Bible, but they are, and it's been awesome, but today we're going to be in the New, New Testament, um, in Philippians. If you thumb through the New Testament and find Galatians, keep going two books to the right, and you'll be in Philippians, G-E-P-C, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you're welcome. Um, while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. What do you think of when I say the word, you know, don't blurt it out. This is not word association. I don't want you to be embarrassed, okay? Just think. What do you think of when I say the word secrets? Some of you, when I say secrets, especially if I walk towards the front of the stage when I do it, or if I step down, some of you think I'm gonna go full on Pentecostal right now. And I'm gonna like channel the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna point you out and tell everybody your hidden secrets, right? Listen that's not going to happen. I've been in services like that. Like the first time, and I remember being in, in a youth service, and we had this guest speaker, and he was like, he was huge. Just like having Shaquille O'Neal, right, as a preacher. And he pointed that big finger at somebody near me in my general vicinity. Like everybody, everybody, as, as soon as he did that, everybody started repenting, right? Like God. Even things I've never thought of, I'm so sorry. Just, I'll do anything, just don't let him call out what I did last night, right? And it's like, you so sometimes we think of secrets, we got like, ugh. Some of you, when I say secrets, you get excited because it's like you're going to get in on a secret, right? Especially if you love to gossip because you're like, ooh, new material, right? Is that too harsh? Okay. We'll just leave that laying there, right? Um, the reason why I say this is because we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Four verses, and in those four verses, Paul's going to talk about a secret. And it's a good secret. It's not something we want to hide from. It's a good secret. It's the kind of secret that can be the key to living God's way with our resources, okay? So um, that's important because we live in the land of stuff. Uh, storage is a multi-billion-dollar industry. We are getting ready to um, step into yard sale season. Oh, wow, there's a lot of reaction there, wasn't it? Yard sale season, or as I like to call it, you take my stuff, I'll take yours, right? Because <laughs> that's pretty much what happens, right? We, sell, we try to sell our stuff, and then we go find other stuff that we, we buy other people's stuff to replace the stuff that we try to get rid of, and then we have to have another yard sale because the stuff we got at theirs, we didn't ever use, and now we want to get rid of it too. Like, it's just crazy, all the stuff that we have, isn't it? And if we're not careful, it can feel overwhelming. So how do we live with stuff, and still reflect the generous heart of the Father. So that's what Philippians chapter 4, verses 10-13 through 13 is all about. I'm going to give you the big idea right up front. You can just be thinking about this as we go through it. And here's the big idea. God isn't against us having stuff. He's against stuff having us. Okay? It's okay to have things. Not good when things have you. All right? So this is it. Uh, it's I, I like, what do I want to call this? I don't usually tell you the title, but I'm so proud of this. Like, Stop Living Possessed. Right? Like, we want to have um, deliverance ministries and, like, cast demons out of people. But the truth of the matter is, the American church is already possessed. We're possessed by our possessions. So maybe we should have an exorcism. I don't know what that would even look like. We pray for y'all, and, like, your, instead of your head turn around, your butt would turn around, and, like, your wallet would fall out. I don't even know what that would look like. It would be weird, wouldn't it? We won't even try, okay? We're not even going to try that. Oh, my gosh. Wendy's not even looking at me. It's going bad. Um, <laughs> so, Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul's going to teach us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about the secret of, and this is the big word, contentment, the secret of contentment and the source of contentment. So, we're going to read it, and then we'll talk about those two things. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So let's, um, let's talk about what Paul mentions twice in these four verses. He talks about the secret of contentment, okay? So let's talk about the secret of contentment. When I started um, studying this, this passage, I got out uh, my, my resources, my tools, the whole deal. Like I nerded out on the Greek. So I looked up the Greek for um, the content. It's, it's, it's like in here twice, right? So what I found was it's two different Greek words and each of these Greek words are only used one time in the Bible, right here. So I don't know how you like process information, but when I see like that's the only time that word's used in the entire Bible, and then like in the, in another verse right next to it, they use a whole other word that in the English is the same, but it's a different word, and it's also the only time. Like there must be a reason for that. Like that's pretty. That's a big deal, right? So here's what I found out: the first when he says um. In verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. That word in the Greek, content means independent of external circumstances." Okay? You got that? Oh man, tough crowd. Just just do this to make me feel better. Okay you got that okay, good, good deal. So independent of external circumstances. And then the second one, he continues, he says in verse 12, "I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Of being content. That whole phrase there, here's what it means. To be initiated into a mystery. Now I thought about playing a game this morning, but we're not going to. But when I was in youth group, not leading it, but when I was in youth groups. This was like back before we had electricity, right? Um you laugh like it's not true, but I think it may be, right? We used to do this thing, like whenever, and it's probably good that we don't do this stuff anymore, but we used to do this initiation game. So whenever, if you're here for the first time, aren't you glad we don't still do this to to first-time guests? If somebody came to our youth group for the first time, we would tell them that we wanted to initiate them into the group. And we had a certain way to do it, and it was a game that we like to call Queen Hubba Bubba. And so we'd have somebody come out and sit in a chair, and she was Queen Hubba Bubba. And she would look at the person who was sitting across from her, the first time guest. I can't believe we did this anyway. But first time, it's crazy. Have you done this? Yeah. So, and, and then we would say, um, somebody would enter, like, this is Queen Hubba Bubba. This is Queen Hubba Bubba. And you must do everything the queen does, blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. So then the queen would do something like Hubba Bubba. And the person would be like, we might do it. Hubba Bubba hubba baba, hubba bubba. and, like, they would just keep doing something, like, stand up and, like, hubba-bubba, like, all kinds of weird stuff, right, hubba baba. as they turn around, and you keep doing it, get them to stand up and down a couple times, and at some point when they stood up, somebody behind them would take a sponge full of water and put it in their chair, so when they sat back down, they'd be, like, hubba baba, uh! you know, it's like, it was, and then they'd have a wet butt the whole time, and you'd laugh at them, and, like, they never came back, I wonder why. Like, initiation, right? Maybe you went to college and you were part of a sorority or something like that, and you, they had, like, this way to, like, hey, now you're one of us, right? What Paul's talking about here is he says, one, I've learned to be content. I've learned to live independent of external circumstances. Listen, if you don't get anything else out of today, it'd be great if we could learn to live free of external circumstances. Like, no matter what's going on around us, we're okay in here. But then he said, I'm okay whether I have a lot or a little because I've been initiated into a mystery. And here's the mystery I'm content. I'm initiated in. I've learned the secret of being content. What I love about what Paul's saying is this we're going to learn something we won't understand by experiencing something we don't understand. Everybody say, huh? The point is this we can say all day long, I'm content. But the only way to find out if you have contentment is to be in a situation where you find out if you're actually content. So we like to theorize in the church, don't we? And what Paul does is in these two verses, he completely shoots down that option. He says, now we can talk, guys, about how I've learned to be content. I've learned to live free from external circumstances. And all of us would be like, amen, brother. That's good preaching. Southern Baptist style. But then he says, oh, hold, hold up, time out. It's not just preaching. God won't let me just preach it. He's actually made me experience it. I'm telling you that I know that I'm free from external circumstances because he put me in a situation where I had nothing and I'm still okay. I'm content. We like to say it, but God says, now let's see it. That's why it's a secret. You have to be initiated into it, and the initiations not the most fun, right? Let me give you a real life example. Um, if you know my dad, Dr. Jenkins, there's not a more generous man on the planet than my dad. I mean, literally, our dog has fleas, right? She has a flea, probably like a flea. My dad would give money to the flea. He's like, he would just, he's just generous. He's just, he hears something, he's like, man, I want to help out. So when, when I was on staff and getting ready to step into full-time ministry on the road, uh, let me translate that for you. I was receiving a salary, and then I was not, right? I was like, I was talking to my friends, like, oh, do you think I should do it? What do you think? And they're like, man, it's all good. You should definitely do it because, you, like, people love you, and they're going to support you. And you got your dad, and, you, and people love you, and they're going to support you, and your dad. And guess, guess who didn't give us anything for a year? My dad, my generous dad. Now, he knows this story. I'm not talking bad about him. My, like Who would give anybody the shirt off his back? And we had him over for dinner one night. I remember sitting in our dining room, sitting across from him at the table. And I said, Dad, just a year later, I don't, I don't fully understand why you didn't give anything to help us out. I didn't understand it until God showed me that I was trusting in you and not in him. And so the only way for me to learn that was for you to not give me anything. And he was like, his whole face was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And he started giving us, he started supporting us, right? Because his heart was probably always to do it, but for some reason he was like, I don't know why I'm not supposed to do it, but I'm not supposed to do it. And then I realized the reason you're not supposed to do it is because I'm supposed to learn something. Not just the secret of contentment, but Paul talks about the source of contentment. So let's talk about that. What I learned through that whole experience with my dad was that he was not the source of my contentment. There's another source. Verse 13. This is the verse that um, all of us have on coffee mugs and T-shirts and hanging up in our house, right? It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Maybe you've heard it like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Verse 19, Paul said this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, we pray We pray something like that. Our prayers go something like this. My God, please meet my needs, right? Like, but he says, my God will supply all. Everybody say all. All your needs according to his riches and glory. He is the source of of our contentment. Now in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's something the Lord showed me this week. I love this. Here's what Paul was really saying. I can do all things through Christ because I have all things in Christ. I can do all things through Christ because I have all things in Christ. Now, here's what I learned this week. That Paul's talking about a confession and he's talking about possession. The confession is, ah, Everybody say, "Ah, I. I can do all things. Oh, uh, yeah, I know you are like, did he mean to say that? I'm going to go for it. And he did. That was great. And w- that's confession, right? But the possession is, I have all things. If you want some scriptural proof for that, it's Ephesians 1.3, where Paul says, "For we know that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have everything we need. Peter follows that up and says, I have all that I need to live a godly life in Christ, right? So confession, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Possession, I have all things in Christ. Here's what God showed me. Confession without possession is a wish. Possession, actually having it, without confession, never living it, is a waste, But when you put them together, do you know what that becomes? It becomes a well. I can do all things through Christ because I have all things in Christ. And it becomes this well that springs up within us. John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Here's what I love about that. It becomes a well that I don't have to fill. Because what did Paul say? My God will supply all our needs according to all his riches. Turn to the person next to you and say, God ain't broke. No, no, that was terrible. You said, like, you don't believe it. I know you might be broke, but say, God ain't broke. He will supply all my needs not according to my bank account. He will supply all my needs not according to what I have on the inside of me that I came up with, right? He will supply all my needs according to all his riches. I mean, man, if we could just grasp that, y'all, it would change the way that we live in relation to our possessions. We hold on to stuff. Because we're afraid that if we lose that stuff, we'll never get it back. And God's like, but I, I'm the one that's going to supply all that you need. According to my riches, I'm never going to run out. When that happens, we can draw from what's in us no matter what's going around us. Whatever is happening around us, it doesn't matter. We draw from what's inside of us. God's plan is that you and I would be vessels through which his resources can freely flow. I learned this last night because um, oh gosh, we have had we have this bathtub, we have an old house, I shouldn't say it's an old house, because I think I'm older than the house, right, um, but it's like, was built in the 70s, and so we have, like, I don't even, if you could probably just like, snap your fingers, and we could just instantly see the plumbing system of our house, we would probably be amazed at what's in there, right, so um, our bathtub, like, when it takes showers, like, it, it eventually drains, but it's kind of slow, um, I don't know if you've, if you've ever had this happen in your house, but like, you're taking a shower, and you're like, why are my ankles still, like, holy cow, there's water in the bottom of the bathtub. And eventually it goes out. Well, yesterday, like, Sydney gets out of the shower, and it didn't go out, like the water. And She was in there a while. She was clean. It's good. It's good. It's good. She was clean. But it was probably, like, that deep, right? So I did what any dad would do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I went and got the plunger got that thing too, by the way. I brought the plunger with me. <laughs> it's clean, y'all. It was in the shower. <clears throat> it's clean. <laughs> Our plumbing is so bad that this morning, I grabbed this to bring it with me, and Wendy saw me walking in the hall, and she was like, oh, what's wrong? Because <laughs> it's like, when, when when Paul's got the plunger, <laughs> right, that's not a good sign, right? <clears throat> so, I get in there. I get it, got in there last night, and I put it on the thing, and I started doing this, and, like, I mean, I was plunging with all I've got, and it was making all kinds of noises, like, you know, you know, it's like whatever, like, like, it's like a demon talking back, like, it ain't gonna work, you know, and the demon was right, because it didn't work. I plunged it up. I got a really good tricep workout. I mean, I was swole. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, take some pictures now, (laughs) you know. But it didn't go out. What I did manage to do was make a mess. Like I don't know what's I, is this too much to say, Oh sorry, honey. they love us, you know, and if not, God'll put us somewhere. So um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So I'm plunging and and the water's not going out, but a bunch of junk is coming up. I mean like tree bark. I think there might have been a G.I. Joe in there. I don't know. It was just weird stuff. It wasn't like, it was just like, I kept going, H- if it's coming up, why isn't the water going out? I mean, something's happening, and, and I mean, an hour later, y'all, I'm just, I'm sweating worse than I'm sweating right now. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, I, I need to get a shower, but I can't get a shower because, like, there's water in the bathtub, and it was just bad. And so I just put that plunger down. And I said, we just, I called Wendy, we need some, like, some of that stuff you pour in the drain. You know, we we're going to go to Salisbury last night. So on the way back from Salisbury, we pulled over. I went into Food line really quick, and I, I got, like, you know, this, you know, I pulled out. Got this big bucket of this big thing of whatever. I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the, of the product because it didn't work. And, but I was smart, and I got another one that said guaranteed, right? <laughs> guaranteed sounds good to me. And so after the first one didn't work, I got the big one out that said guaranteed. And you're supposed to put like 16 ounces. I was like, and I walked away. Fifteen minutes later, when you're supposed to rinse out with hot water. So it's like 30 because I forgot. But I went back, and it was empty. The tub was empty. Now, there was dirt. Like the pine bark was still hanging out, whatever that stuff was. But the water was gone. I was like, are you kidding me? And here's what God said to me. Paul, you be, I want you to be unclogged. And all you know how to do is work really hard. Get that plunger out. Do all that religious activity. Try to get yourself cleaned out. Sing a little harder. Dance a little louder. No, can you dance loud? I guess if you're a clogger. And he's like, but here's what I want you to do. What if you just let me pour my spirit into that clog? What if you could just walk away and let me do the work? Here's what God's after this morning. He's after people who say, I want to be a vessel. It's okay that I have stuff, but I want to be clean on the inside so that that stuff can flow through me if God wants it to flow through me. It doesn't hold on to the sides because I'm all dirty and gunked up on the inside. Gunked up is actually a word from the Hebrew. He says, let me pour my spirit in to you. He said this in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And you'll have a great church service. I mean, it'll be a good, that's not what it says. It would be a good church service. What it says is I'll pour out my spirit and then people will begin to prophesy, they'll begin to see visions, they'll begin to have dreams. You know what that says? I'll pour my spirit out and the clog will be gone and things will start to flow. Or, Paul, if you'd rather do that, just keep using that plunger. Wear yourself out, kill yourself, feel like you're doing something, but nothing's happening, you're just making a big mess. Let me give you a couple takeaways from this morning. I love this. Um, in verse 10, Paul wrote this. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. He said, you've always been concerned, but you never had an opportunity to show it. Can I just tell you this? Our passions fuel. Uh, I'm sorry, our, pos- our passions fuel our possessions. Here's what I mean by that. What we're passionate about, we will fuel that with our possessions. We've been talking a lot from the Old Testament. I'm going to kind of let you off the hook a little bit. If you've been here the last two weeks and you've heard us talk about giving from the Old Testament perspective, can it sometimes feel like an obligation? Like get your calculator out, is this actually 10% or am I like at 9.95 because God's going to kill me if I don't do 10. Like it can feel that way, right? And I kept telling you, hold on because when we get to the New Testament, you're going to see that Jesus changes everything. And what Paul says is, you know what, you've always been passionate about us, but you didn't have an opportunity. When the New Testament takes giving and it doesn't feel like an obligation, now it feels like an opportunity. It's Like, I want to give to that, and I can. That's how Jesus changes things. And and here's another takeaway for you. To give freely, you've got to live freely. Our possessions will always try to possess us, always kept thinking about, we have an attic, an attic, I mean, I am, we have an attic, you might have a basement, you may just have a closet, I don't know, you might have a room that's supposed to be a a spare bedroom, but nobody can go in there, right, don't open that door, don't open that door, and isn't it funny how like, we have all that stuff, and we, I never see the things that are in my attic, ever. I know they're up there because every Christmas when I go up there, I'm like, oh, those boxes are still there. Like, What are they going to do, walk away? I never see what's in them, but we can never get rid of it. Who possesses who, right? You've got to live freely if you want to give freely. The key to being free from our possessions is trusting God to supply all of our needs. It allows us to live with an open hand which is hard to do, but this is what God wants. He wants to bless us, and he just wants us to hold our hands like that. God, if you're allowing me to have this, that's awesome. If you want to take it from me and give it to somebody else, that's cool, because I don't want to be possessed by my possessions. But that's a little hard to do. So uh, what I've done is I've brought um, a little clip for us to watch, and I can't really take credit for this because after the the first Sunday in this series, Justin Deese came up to me, and like, Paul, dude, I got this clip. You've got to find a way to work it in, you know, and I'll do it, too. I, you can find a clip and tell me. I'll find a way. I will we'll find a way to work a clip in. Um, I think this is such a good illustration of how God is calling us to live generously, and we are like, yes, I want to do it, but it's kind of hard. And I think you'll relate to this character.
1: Four million dollars, oh my god, what am I gonna do with this money? I, You know, I'm gonna buy the building.
0: No, no, wait. I'm gonna
1: buy the block. I'm gonna make my sister go to a fence farm because you know she's way too big. Whoa, wait, farm, what are you gonna do? Then I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna buy the building. Oh, wait, 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 wait.
0: Hold on, mate. I've got an
1: idea.
0: Take the check out of your purse.
1: Anything. Oh, you're right, oh. you're right. I should take it out. I should put it where nobody can get it. No, no. Endorse it. No, if I endorse it, then if I drop it, somebody will get it. No, I just... It's not your money. I never said you were going to get the money. This is blood money. I was killed for this money. Now endorse the check. Been... Well, Sam, what are you going to do with it? Look over there. To your left. I know you don't think I'm giving this $4 million to a bunch of nuns. me if you don't do it, they will track you down. Your only protection is to get rid of it. No thank me later. How you doing? I endorse it, Rita Miller. Oh, no. Make it out to St. Joseph's shelf. I can't believe you're making me do this. Give it to her. I will. I will. I just want to feel it one more time in my finger. That's what I'm saying. give the lady the chicken. I will. And her the chicken. You can do it you've the check oh, no. bless you child bless you Look, give it to her let go let go proud of you, Odomain. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if you're proud of me. You stay away from me from now on. What is that not going to do it? She can't even buy underwear. Nothing. I hate you. Leave me alone. Never talk to me again. I think you're wonderful, Odomain.
0: First Timothy chapter six, verses 17 and 19, and then we're going to end this with some time with the Lord. Paul writes this, command those who are rich. Is this, this, you got to get this, y'all. He's writing this to Timothy. This is like Timothy is talking to a seasoned pastor saying, How do I pastor? And Paul's writing him a letter telling him how. And he says, Command those who are rich. I command you. How's that going to go over? <laughs> exactly. Command those who are rich in this present world. Everybody say, I'm rich. I know you don't feel like you are. But in this present world, in America, you're rich compared to the world, right? Maybe not in your neighborhood, maybe not even in our city. But in this present world, yeah, you got a toilet that works, a bathtub that works, you're rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. See, that's how possessions possess us. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I love that part, right? Because we can go to the extreme, well, God don't want me to have fun. I can't have cable. I can't see the Panthers play. I mean, you might want to rethink even if you want to at some point, right? But, I mean, he gives us everything we have for our enjoyment. You have a, a father who wants you to actually enjoy what you have. He just don't want you to be married to it. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What did we talk about last week with that leaky pipe? It's the foundation that matters first, not all the other holes. And how do we lay up a firm foundation? We give. We give. We're generous so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Here's what I want to call you to this morning. Would you just close your eyes and would you bow your heads and would you think for a moment about your possessions? Again, this is not a series to get all those from you. This is a series about reconnecting your habits with the Father's heart. It's a series that will keep you from wearing yourself out with a plunger trying to fix the problem When he simply says, what I want to do is I want to pour my Holy Spirit out on you. And as you receive the Holy Spirit, things in your life are going to begin to flow. Because you're not going to be attached to your possessions. They're not going to possess you. I'm going to possess you. So our team's just going to lead us in a song. And as always. I'm just going to call you to respond. Maybe in your chair, maybe on your knees, maybe at the front. I don't know. But I know that God wants us to give willingly. He doesn't want to have to grab that check out of our hand. So this is just a time for you to just reflect and marinate on that question. Do my possessions possess me? Do I have things or do my things have me? Uh, since Sydney was the one that got her bathtub stopped up, I'm going to redeem her right now. She didn't do anything wrong. It was just bad timing. But when she went out to eat last night with her friends, we gave her, I gave her a $20 bill and um, told her we'd take care of it for her. So we got in the car, and she's like, oh, here's the change. Don't you love that, parents? When you don't have to ask, just, oh, here's the change. And as she handed me the change, she said this. I think her meal was like eight bucks or seven bucks or something like that. And so she's like, "Um, oh, and dad, um, I hope it's okay. I tipped her $5. And, you know, when he was like, oh, that's a good tip. But I was like, yeah, that's what I want you to do with my money. That's how God feels about our possessions. We never have to go to God and say, hey, I'm thinking about I'm going to use an extreme example. You don't have to do this. I'm thinking about selling my house or selling that fourth car and, and giving the money to somebody. Is that okay? You never ask God. He's like, uh, that's what I want you to do with my money. I want you to bless people with it, right? And so I'm, I just want to close this morning praying that over us, that we would have that freedom to just enjoy what God's given us, but also the freedom to say, you know what? I want to share it with people. I believe that at the end of this series, we're going to be challenged as a church that we should be leading the way in generosity. The people of God should be the most generous people on the planet because we're playing with his money. He's like, man, give it away. I love that. I got plenty more I can give you. So, Father, in your name, Jesus, right now, I'm praying over this house, God, that you would find in us, Lord, hearts that are not attached to our stuff, but that are clean, Like your spirit has washed us clean and we are a vessel. You could just pour stuff through us and we will funnel it wherever you tell us to funnel it. Just stand together and we just put your hands in the air. Would you just say this with me, God? You can have my stuff because you can have me. Take my heart and give it away. In your name, Jesus, amen.